0: Good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley, in for Dr. Alex McFarland today, joined by my good friend, bro- Brother Bert Harper. Bert, good afternoon. It's good to be with you, Jim. It's been a while, so I appreciate your,
1: you standing in while I was down in South Georgia. All right. And uh, also had some corrective eye uh, cataracts removed. Now, right. How do you like that? Now I can
0: see you better. Well, that's a shame. I mean, it's great that you can see better. It's a shame that you have to see me. No, it's good, brother. It's good to be with you, Jim. Thank you You, again. You know, if you and I were great singers, we could sing Happy Birthday, but we're not great singers, and I know you, and you know me, so (laughs) we can say that. However, uh, Keith Getty joins us this afternoon, and the song you just heard, of course, uh, hit 20 this year, and that was In Christ Alone. And Keith, welcome to Exploring the Word.
2: Oh, well, guys, it, it's an absolute honor to be on the show and always, always to be back and to get to speak to you both. So thank you so much indeed.
0: Well, Keith, um, you know, I have, I have loved that song since it came out. Obviously, you know that. But I have to tell you, bringing Allison Krauss on that was a stroke of genius.
2: It's, it, you know, I, I, just, I just was speaking to a friend literally half an hour ago. And they said because I think there's over a thousand versions of in Christ alone um, recorded, and uh, they said which is your favorite? And I said Alison Price with my wife as my favorite because there's no drum kit, you know. There's no big. There's no big drama to it. They just let their voices sing,
0: you know. Oh, absolutely, yeah. and uh, that, that's incredible work. So. Um Bert has some questions. I've got a couple of questions for you, but one of the things that we want to talk about today is a remake that you have done of It Is Well, and we're going to play a snippet of that, not show it, just play a snippet of that here in a little bit. But before we do, tell us about your work with Voice of the Martyrs. Sure.
2: Uh, We've obviously known of them for years. We started working together five years ago. They asked my wife to be involved in a couple of movies they were involved in, and uh, which has been a real privilege. And then we did the closing track to their movie Sabina this year, which was which was just a, just fantastic. And uh, and she, Kristen, did a new version of Well, it, she sang the traditional hymn as well with My Soul, but we did a fresh or- orchestral arrangement of it. And uh, so she did, recorded that and recorded that as part of the movie over uh one of it, just this beautiful old Irish castle. And when we were back in Ireland, uh, but but they they became they actually just became our principal partner this year because. Uh, as I say, we've, we, we've, I, I think it's one of the most urgent causes today. I mean, they always say what, what's vital, lasts. and you know, Richard Wormbrand's vision was both that we would support martyrs around the world with the increase of martyrdom every year, and, and unprecedented compared to previous centuries. Uh, but then, at the same time, that Westerners would realize that all of us need to live like martyrs. That's our job. And even saying that, you know, I find extremely challenging.
1: You know, when I hear that, Keith, I have a man that I met from Romania, Joseph Son, and uh, before Romania uh, was uh, freed from the Iron Curtain, he was just beaten and interrogated, jailed for a while, released, beaten more, and uh, finally, you know, they exiled him to America. But we had him in our church, and he did a whole uh, series of sermons on martyrdom. And it awoke my soul in a good way. Uh, You know, you can be woke or you can be awakened. And uh, we, as the Mm -hmm. church, we need to be awakened to what Voice of the Martyrs does. And I I just can't wait to see that. I saw the video of It Is Well With My Soul, and it blessed my heart. But uh, that's great. It it is. Listen, you don't beat that song.
2: It's, It's stunning.
1: I was telling Jim that earlier, right. that song is as strong a song as anyone could get, especially when you know the background, isn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, it, it's, it's interesting. That, that new arrangement we wrote for that, well, when we were, Kristen and I went for a walk along by the sea, we, we watched the movie Sabina one night when we were home in Ireland, one Sunday night, and we got up on the Monday morning, and we went for a walk by the sea. And, you know, so you think about, and we have four daughters, so you think about... You think about him losing his four daughters at sea and um, Spafford. And then you think about the movie and what they went through. And so we actually got home that day, and we, did, we wrote that entire arrangement in the piano, and we sent it across to America, and they immediately orchestrated the whole thing and put the orchestral parts out based on the piano thing that morning. So it was a cool story.
1: That's when you know it's God. I mean, there, there's times, but there, I think there's certain songs that you hear and you remember where you were when you heard them. Now, it is well with my soul has been in the hymn book, the Baptist hymn book, where I'm from, forever. But I still remember it. I remember, you know, the whole thing uh, of late. I have remember some, the chain breaker. I know that wasn't your song, but I remember where it was when I first heard it. And, and it is also on the 20th anniversary of the song that we opened with. I remember the first time I heard it. But it is well with my soul and the video that goes with it. And with that movie, I believe it will be one that people will remember, brother.
0: Yeah. Well, Keith, uh, again, thank you for taking time out to be with us this afternoon. We appreciate that a great deal. Um, As we look forward to the release of that video, uh, I have to tell you, uh, Bert and I were talking about it before the program. The photography or cinema, cinema, cinematography, <laughs> cin- <laughs> c- Cinematography. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. My producer tried to help me out with that too. You realize I'm just a redneck from <laughs> Mississippi, so <laughs> I'm
2: just I'm just a redneck from Ireland. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, you know you joke about that, but for a young man at the age of 25, that. Basically, composed the tune to it as well on the back of a Northern Ireland electricity bill. That's well, pretty telling. In Christ alone. Yeah, I that's what I'm saying. In
2: alone, but not the tune that things tuned it as well, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think, I think the Lord was very kind to me for that day. You know, I hadn't paid my electricity bill. I decided <laughs> that, was what it was to, that was how he was going to reward me. So. Uh,
0: amen. Amen. <laughs> Uh, it it's amazing how God works and that, you know, from time to time, there aren't just those God moments in our lives. And I remember meeting you early after you came to the States. Um, what, what prompted that move? You know, we
2: started the hymns in the year 2000. I was, um, you know, my friend always says every, every, every grit song is, is leaks out of a broken heart and mm. and I was really I was really busted just with frustration at what churches were singing you know when we think about how beautiful the gospel of Jesus is and how it is enough for all of life and yet when we see and when we see the, the, the great growth of Christianity around the world and yet the great evil in our world the idea that Christians were responding to this, by singing more and more shallow songs that were less and less about God, more and more about themselves, and more and more, frankly, about nothing, and rubbish artistry that you couldn't actually carry with you through life, like it as well with my soul. I was just frustrated. And so I wrote In Christ Alone in the year 2000 with Stuart End and that, that kicked it off. It came out in 2001, and then it came out in America in 2002. And we started to get a lot of requests. From, from America to come over and bring our music to colleges and to denominational conferences and just, you know, churches with some of the major Bible teachers like Alistair Begg and John MacArthur, these kind of guys. And we were getting these requests to come to all these different places and do stuff. And so I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And in the end, I decided, you know, maybe we should go and do organize one whole tour and visit them all. So we went across for eight weeks. and. It, it seemed like it was a good time. They they said would you come for two years and introduce us on. So we came for two years. Um, Alistair Beg was like an American father to us the whole time. And then we stayed an extra two years, and then and then we, 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 so much with so much this, this just seems like, this is just such an incredible headquarters to build what you do from here because so many of the Christian organizations in the world still have their headquarters here or significant connections here. So you know, it's it's not really a movement in Christian music. It's not really a certainly not a movement in business. It really is just trying to write hymns that help Christians around the world articulate their faith, but in a more deep, and more rich, and hopefully more beautiful way.
0: Amen. Well, coming up September thirteenth through fifteenth, uh, changing gears a little bit from it as well, and the video that's coming out on that. Uh, coming up, you have your sing conference, and. You have, uh, and I believe this one's virtual this year. Is that right?
2: No, it's both. It's live or virtual. So if you want to get to the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, there's still there's still about I think, 400 seats left, and uh, we would love you to come. It is. We're singing some of the 30 of the great hymns of the faith and lots of modern hymns, and we got speakers from David Platt to John Piper to uh, uh, Alistair Begg to uh, John Lennox to Johnny Tata. Um, we've got singers, musicians, would you believe it, from Chris Tomlin to Bill Gaither. Mm. <laughs> we've got lots of classical musicians and jazz musicians. We've got a big choir program. You get to sing Handel's Messiah one night. And uh, so it's a wonderful event to be at, a wonderful celebration of our faith. And then the second thing uh, the second thing is, is you can watch it online. So if you want to stay home and you want to just stay a little more cautious this year or you haven't got the funds to pay for it, you can actually um, register online and get to every single t- talk, every single seminar, worship service, concert, and uh, you also there's a special show every evening called um, called uh, pre- pre- Premier Evening, and you get to watch you get to watch the highlight reel of the whole thing as well. And then you get to stay with us for 365 days. So what we do throughout the year, this year because the theme is Great Hymns of the Faith, we're going to be taking you through 30 hymns that every church needs to know this year and helping you learn those. We've also got a thing called Sing Global Conversations where we take global leaders and ask them to help us. So, for example, a lot of our conference are people who love choirs and love choir singing. So Sir John Rutter is doing a thing on the importance of choir singing, even after the pandemic. Then we have, we have on Christianity, culture, and arts education, Karen Pence, the second lady, Mike Pence's wife, is coming to talk to us about the importance of making sure we, uh, we understand our faith, we understand what's happening in the culture, but also that we're creative and imaginative in what we're doing. Um, we've got John MacArthur talking about the, the deity of Christ in the pluralistic world, which I think is going to be a really, really vital talk.
1: When I hear that, Keith, I hear not only the celebration of, of through hymns, but also the articulation of the word. And that should right. be the combination that every church desires. And I, I just want to say thank you for having this conference because really, those hymns of the faith, uh, I can't wait to see the list of the 30 hymns that every church ought to be singing. And uh, I've got a few on my list. I'm going to check and see
0: if they're there. Hey, Keith, thanks so much time. Thanks so much for your time and hanging out with us today. <laughs>
2: That's brilliant. It was a pleasure, guys. Look forward to seeing as many of you as possible. And do do register with us and be part of it uh, for the year. We'd
1: love to be joining. Thank you, Keith.
3: This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders.
4: Today, we pray for George Price, Director of the Office of Small and Disadvantaged Business Utilization at the Department of State. HIS OFFICE WORKS TO MAXIMIZE PRIME AND SUBCONTRACTING OPPORTUNITIES FOR U.S. BUSINESSES. PHILIPPIANS 2:4 REMINDS US OF THE IMPORTANCE OF HELPING OTHERS RISE UP. LET EACH OF YOU LOOK NOT ONLY TO YOUR OWN INTERESTS, BUT ALSO TO THE INTERESTS OF OTHERS. RIGHT NOW, WITH THIS IN MIND, LET'S PRAY TOGETHER. ALMIGHTY GOD, WE ASK FOR GUIDANCE FOR GEORGE PRICE AS HE HELPS SMALL BUSINESSES. WE ASK THIS IN JESUS' NAME, AMEN.
3: Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org.
4: Lots of people agree that you can do just about anything if you have enough faith. But Dr. Tony Evans says the question is, faith in what? We'll find out why the answer makes all the difference as we spend two minutes with Tony.
5: Some years ago, I was to fly to Iowa to speak, and, and they couldn't get me there by the airlines, so they sent a twin-engine plane to fly me in this twin-engine plane to Iowa. Originally, Sister Evans was supposed to go until she discovered they were going to pick me up in a twin-engine plane. She said, you are going by yourself. I said, you don't have faith. She said, that's because you don't have much plane. The schedule got changed around and we wind up being able to fly Delta. She said, I'm going. I said, your faith grew. She said, that's because your plane grew. So the size of her faith was directly related to the size of the plane. So the amount of your faith is not tied to how much faith you have. It's tied to how much substance you possess. A little faith in significant substance produces great results. A lot of faith in insufficient substance will produce no results. Because what makes faith faith is the substance to which it is attached.
4: Learn more about the power of faith from some of the Bible's most famous characters. Get details on Dr. Evans' message series, Heroes of the Faith, by visiting us at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony.
0: Good afternoon and welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley in for Dr. Alex McFarland, joined by my good friend, Brother Bert Harper. And that was part of the, of the remake of It Is Well. Now, the, the song itself was not changed, but the melody and the way in the arrangement was changed. And so that's going to be on the video that's going to be coming out in just a couple of weeks. Yes, September the 15th. I, I believe think. so. I think that's right. Yeah. They're going to release it during the Sing Conference. And I'm talking about Keith and Kristen Getty. And by the way, if you'd like information on them and their music, it's GettyMusic.com. GettyMusic.com. G-E-T-T-Y Music.com. And so, uh, Bert, that was, that was kind of fun. It was. And the part that two things that really just blessed me, was thinking
1: about the four daughters that they have. And Spafford, who wrote that song, It Is Well With My Soul, lost his four daughters at sea going over. And I I had not, I knew, you know, Keith and Kristen had, uh, you know, those children, but I had not thought about that. And Jim... Uh, I'll just tell you, you need to see that. You don't need to just to hear right. this. It's a right. video. They need to see it.
0: And you need to watch it and then watch it again because there are more parts of it that you may not have picked up exactly. on the first time. And remember, it's going to be
1: at the end of the, of the film, Sab- uh, Sabina, Sabina, which is about the voice of the martyrs. Mm-hmm. And it is about martyrdom that's taking place today. And we know that because of what's happened at Afghanistan, we know what's taking place there now. We know what's taking place in the Sudan and Nigeria, and so this this is a time I think God used this to call the church to prayer for one another,
0: and uh, that that's my hope. Amen. Well, we're going to take your phone calls this afternoon. We're going to start a little early, if you will, at triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero. Triple eight, five, eight, nine, eight, eight, four, zero is the number to call for that. And we'll get your calls uh, to them straight away today. Uh, Bert, you were able to be, I was here for chapters one and two of second Thessalonians. And then you guys, you and Alex finished out with um, the third chapter. That's right. And that was a really neat chapter. Give us a little recap well, about that while we load the phones. Yeah, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter
1: three. He finishes it up, and, and I think he brings it back as a memory and telling them how how important it is to stay faithful. You know, uh, you know, I remember this and as an illustration uh, years ago about fireworks. You know, the Roman candle is awesome going up and everybody can see it. But the thing that really matters, they call it the plump. It's the one that you light everything from. In other words, you don't have to have a match. It's kind of like a slow, slow sparkler. Right. And you can light everything off of it. And, you know, a lot of times the glamour is out there for for people to see. But the one that is steadfast is the one that stays there. And in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, the part that really got me is, is is over in the back part of it, it says, if anyone does not obey this epistle, note that person, do not keep company, yet do not count him as an enemy, but mm. as a brother, and admonish him as a brother. I think too many times we uh, cut and run with people and not give them time to let truth penetrate in the heart and then when they get off track we say we cut them off mm-hmm. that's we don't cut them off to leave them out there we withhold some fellowship to get their attention and encourage them to come and follow christ right that really struck me because uh, especially with afghanistan with a hundred or more americans that are still there and we cut and quote cut and run uh the church—I hate to say it—we've done that with with some believers in our own uh, fellowship, and we don't need to do that as best we can. We need to love them, yes, admonish them, but don't, don't, you know, don't give up on them. Stay
0: in there as a as a brother, not as an enemy. Well, it's like you're going down the highway, and somebody comes flying by you, and they may be texting while they're driving, and they nudge over, and you have to swerve a little. You want immediate justice for them. You want the highway patrolman to be there and pull them over. But when you're the one (laughs) that's speeding down the road, you want mercy. And so I think that reflects itself in the church today. If we mess up, we want mercy. If a brother or sister messes up, we cry out for justice. And so we need to be as generous with mercy with those around us as we would like mercy displayed to us. Amen. And it lets me know God is the judge of a
1: person's salvation, mm-hmm. not me. That's right. I I just, yes, I have to judge actions, and that's what it says here, mm-hmm. but I do not know their heart. And so if this brother was a part of the fellowship, and he gets wayward or she gets wayward if, in place of cutting them off immediately. Yes, I pull away long enough to admonish them as a brother, not as an enemy.
0: That spoke to my heart, Jim. Amen. Well, let's talk to Mary Ann calling from Kentucky this afternoon. Mary Ann, welcome to Exploring the Word.
6: Did you say Mary
3: Ann? I
0: did. Oh, okay. Sorry.
6: Um. So. I have a question about fasting. I don't know if you all could maybe briefly go over it. Um, the only thing I've ever fasted before was social media, and after a few days to a week, I ended up just giving it up altogether. So I don't really know how how to go about doing it. My church is doing a 21-day fast. Do you not eat at all, or how does that work?
1: Okay. Thank you, Mary Ann. Uh, fasting has always been first connected with food, you know, And now we have expanded it to other things like take a fast from media, take a fast from television, uh, even music. I'll give you one or two things that I know about it, Marianne. No expert, but here's what I know. Uh, It is calling your attention to God. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what it does. And I remember we were starting to celebrate recovery in a church where I was pastoring and uh, of course that was habits and hang-ups addictions that people have and uh, they come and meet together to encourage one another share scripture with one another and and you know I, I wasn't given to tobacco or alcohol or or pornography I did not have those in my life but I had a certain uh I could say, you know, soft drink that I had every day, you know, <laughs> uh, along with a packet of crackers and peanut butter. You know, that was just, we called it. The also bre- known as NABs. Yeah, it was in Northeast Mississippi anyway. And I said, okay, Lord, I want to do something. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to fast from those. I gave them up that whole. It changed a lot of things in my life because Uh, I I would reach for it, and I'd say, okay, I can't do that, and it caused me to pray. So 21 days, Mary Ann, if you you can do that on the media, uh, some people do it with Facebook. Mm -hmm. Now, the older generation is now Facebook, and the younger ones are TikTok or whatever else is going on. Yeah, Instagram. But, yes, I think it's a discipline, which is good for us biblically but it's also one that would call us back to commune with Christ.
0: Well, and, and, and Bert, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think one of the reasons we're seeing those differences today is because food to a lot of young people isn't nearly as important as it used to be. You know, they just eat whatever, whenever, and they don't think anything about it. But for them, a personal sacrifice, you know, may be the social media platforms that are out there. It may be, you know, some of the different things that they do. And so the, the main thing that you pointed at is that it brings us to prayer. And a lot of times social media gets in the way of our praying because we're too interested in what's going on in the world or with Cousin Joe or, you know, Billy Bob or whomever. But it's one of those things that when we take and we set that to one side not saying that family is not important. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm saying the social media platforms can engulf us and can just completely take away from our time where we take and we give that time back to the Lord. So I I think that may be one of the reasons that that's being done now. Mary Ann, let me give you one more thing. You know,
1: when the publican and the Pharisee went up to pray, Jesus talked about them. And the Pharisee, brag to God about how he fasted twice a week uh, I don't think it's necessarily <laughs> something you let everybody know about you I think it's good to have an accountability partner but you don't have to let everybody know that you're fasting from or whatever uh, and uh, I you know just it's it's not something to brag it should humble us not give us
0: pride well and when you when you said that I chuckled but only because the thought that went through my head, is what you covered there at the end. I'm humble and proud of it. You know <laughs> if you're if you have humility, it shouldn't be something you have to boast about. Amen. Folks should be able to see it. Thank you, Marianne. Let's talk to Lee calling from Mississippi. Lee, welcome to Exploring the Word.
6: Uh good afternoon guys. I really enjoy your show.
0: Well, well thank, thank you Lee. Lee.
1: What part of Mississippi are you from, Lee?
6: I am. I actually live in Drew, Mississippi. Oh,
1: yeah, the home of Archie Manning. There you go. That's <laughs> it. I, I realize that. I've preached down there close in Marks and Shelby. I've been all around it, but not necessarily in Drew. But thank you for calling today, Lee.
6: Well, I would love for you to come back closer again. <laughs> I would love to come listen to you.
1: Well, thank you so uh, much.
6: I have a question and this is may, may be kind of an odd question, but it's something that has been on my mind quite frequently. If a woman is pregnant and she is not a believer, she's not been saved, and the rapture takes place, will her baby be taken?
1: Aha. Woo, Lee, thank you for calling. I, I would say to that baby, I believe would stay with her mother with all my heart, I believe that because that child will have the opportunity. Just like a lot of in the tribulation mm-hmm. period, during that period of time, whatever it is, and that child born, it would probably be okay because, he, and I'm using a fictitious number, the age of accountability, even at the end of the rapture, that child would not have come to that age probably. It would suffer and be difficult and that is speculation. That's my thought. But uh, it would not, I don't believe it would be taken. That's a uh, thought, Lee. And man, I think here's what you guys have taught me. Y'all think deeper than I do sometimes. Right. And uh, Lee, that's a deep question. Jim, you got any comment on that?
0: No, um, Lee, I appreciate your call this afternoon and uh, appreciate that. 888 589 Bert, that's one of those that i think that if we get in that deep then we really are going past the scope of what we might be able to prove through scripture and i'm not disagreeing with you hear my heart notice
1: what i said i know
0: i don't the first thing i say is i don't know that's
1: right this could be that's right and and lee that is the honest truth i i preach this sometimes and I'll say something, and I'll say, and somebody that'll tell you they know all about it, they'll lie to you about something else as right. well. That's Because there are some areas that we just are—we uh, know Christ is coming back. He's coming back visibly. He's mm-hmm. coming back uh, to get us, and we know that. Now, the parts of naming it and saying it, uh, we it's an interpretation of Scripture. Right. And uh, I, am, I, I think I've come up to this. I— lean uh pre-trib pre-millennial all the way but i am a pan now that i know that sounds it's going to pan out the way god wants it to regardless if god agrees with me or not god's going to do it his way
0: that's right that sounds like the conversation you and i had it earlier did. today I, I like that lean that way but i know this right all right jim calling from arkansas this afternoon jim welcome to exploring the word Hello, Jim. Hey,
7: how y'all doing?
0: Doing good. Welcome, brother.
7: I'm doing great. Uh, I've got a question. I think Matthew 23 or 28, uh, Christ comes down pretty hard on the Pharisees, uh, telling them what they're doing wrong and everything. Um, if we have people that doing are doing wrong, how can you do it in a Christian-type way? Uh because if the rapture does come, or tomorrow, uh, we better better try to get them saved. and don't know how. How would you do that?
0: Well, uh, Jim, first of all, we have to really believe the rapture is coming. We have to believe that the that Son of God is coming for us, and we're called to be found working when he comes. And so part of that work is to continue to tell others about Christ and do it with an urgency. Because in all honesty, I think sometimes if if we truly look at our hearts as Christians, we don't have the urgency that people are about to go to hell. And so, and I say that for me, Jim Stanley. So I want to be clear about that. But I think if we're honest as Christians, we have to understand that urgency. Part of it, again, is what Bert and Alex covered yesterday in 2 Thessalonians, the third chapter. But my brother Bert has his book open to some red ink. So I'm sure he's got (laughs) an answer standing by. Yes, there
1: is a place for condemnation. And there's a place to answer questions. And we'll come back to Matthew 23. That's the one it's in. And we'll come back and I'll give you a short answer as best I can. Thank you for calling and thank you for listening to Exploring the Word here on the American Family Radio Network.
4: When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective.
3: Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience
4: if you miss it at the top of the hour american family news podcasts are available at afn.net and sign up for our daily news brief at afn.net hello i'm gary Roby, host of call to worship heard each sunday on american family radio this one-hour program will lead you in a special time of worship and praise we will focus on god's word spoken and in music call to worship has a different topic each week as we glorify god together be sure to join us at 5 a.m central each sunday for a call to worship right here on american family radio
3: what would it take for you to compromise your principles my name is abraham hamilton III, and this is the hamilton minute recently i heard a statement that went like this i don't think principles matter if you can't get elected Principles form the core of who you are. Principles form the foundation of a civil society. George Washington in his farewell address identified religion and morality as indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, George Washington said. It makes me think of a scripture. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world yet lose his soul? What would it profit a candidate to gain an election,
4: but lose his principles. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. In Luke chapter 16, verse 10, Jesus said, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much a new pastor in town boarded the city bus and dropped in his fare as he took his seat he discovered that he'd been given too much change he was tempted to keep it it's only a quarter he thought but at his stop he handed the driver his quarter and smiled you gave me too much change hey thanks said the driver then he said by the way aren't you the new pastor How we handle our money and possessions reveals our hearts and proves our trustworthiness with God's provisions. Not only is God watching, but others are as well. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow weak or discouraged before he has established justice on the earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. Isaiah 42, 3 and 4. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio.
5: As we go.
1: Exploring the Word. Jim Stanley, Burt Harper with you. Jim's in for Dr. Alex McFarland today, and we appreciate you listening. And Jim from Arkansas had a great question. It's Matthew 23. Matter of fact, Jim and Jim, there's eight woes that Jesus declares before these Pharisees. Eight different woes. He says, woe unto you, woe unto you. And it's warnings. So what he was asking about friends that may not know the Lord, probably don't, I think that is a warning. That's a lot of times you say to them in a caring way, I love you enough that I want to tell you what could happen. We don't know, but it's going to happen one day. Mm -hmm. And it's a warning of judgment. Yes, God's going to judge those who are not his and uh, you try to do it with care. Hopefully you'll do it from a point of relationship. If you don't have that relationship, there's a good chance. They'll ignore you, walk away, and even become angry. But that's that would be okay, OK as well. But it is a warning, and I think you do that as best you can. I know my language, I I'd <laughs> hoped I got it right, but sometimes the tongue gets tied. And, and other and people who are listening in the studio are laughing. Can you imagine what the people at home driving? Are Brother, doing?
0: I'm laughing with you. Yeah, I know because I know you're a little Rascals fan.
1: Okay, <laughs> Buckwheat. Okay, sounded, Buck just, like okay, sounded <laughs> just like it. Yeah. As it came out, I said, "Oh, did I do that?" And the answer is, "Yes, I did."
0: Yes, you did. Stan from Tennessee. Good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word.
7: Good afternoon, gentlemen. I have a question. um I've been saved, and I'm a believer, uh, and I was reading it in my Bible, but I wanted to clear something up because I've had a burden for a friend of mine. It says in the Bible, and I, I forget what part of the New Testament, it says, they will not come to me. Gee, this is Jesus talking. They will not come to me unless the Father who draws them, in other words, the holy I guess through the Holy Spirit, draws them, or, or they will not come to me. And salvation is a supernatural event that starts your Christian world. And you just don't wake up. You just don't decide yourself you want to be saved. I mean, I know you got to be receptive, and you got to respond in, in, to, the, to it. But it's initiated. From what I read in my Bible, in other words,
0: salvation is all of God. Could you respond? Well, Stan, you know, I, I don't disagree with you in part. But you have to remember, someone may have been praying for that person for years, and so it may be the recompense of that prayer that the Holy Spirit has activated their heart, and you may not ever see that until the Holy Spirit does it. And so in that, in that case, the Holy Spirit has, re- God has reached out. But we also have to remember that in, in the third chapter of the book of John, Christ himself you know, tells us that God has reached out. And so the person could have read scripture, the person could have been being prayed for. And so, yes, it's God initiated, but it it may not necessarily be something that you and I would see, Bert. You know, uh, quick as I hear that, I'm thankful for something that Alex and
1: I both say. I remember the first time he said that, and I said, that's the same thing. People who are not saved, and you're concerned about them, mm-hmm. we know that they must respond to God. And we pray, God, keep on convicting them. Keep on drawing them to yourself. And that's our prayer. We can't force them. God doesn't force them. But God, here, here's the key, Stan. I think it. God is the initiator. God initiates that. Uh, we love him because he first Amen. loved us. We can respond front to in faith because God has come to us, and that's what the Holy Spirit convicted the world of sin, and it is. But after God has done that, man must respond. Right. God, God's salvation is available to all. The grace of God has appeared to all men. Uh, and if you will not respond to the God of creation, why would you respond to the God of redemption who is right. the same God? Right. So if you don't respond to God as he has revealed himself to you, uh, he, there's no accountability for him to reveal himself further. Right. But we pray, God, keep on revealing yourself to him.
0: Well, and, and you know, um, behold, I stand at the door and knock. That is a, a present tense actual happening and so it it is up to us to answer that door and it's pointed out in that verse if any man would open the door and let me in then will i come in and fellowship Amen. with him and him with me hey stan thanks for the call this afternoon we appreciate it rob good afternoon and welcome to exploring the word
7: hi good afternoon um my question is
2: uh again i'm i'm, I'm a believer I'm married. Love
7: my wife. So this this has nothing to do with that. But but it, it's about the 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 um the kings. How how they had concubines, and that seemed like it was a pretty common practice in the Old Testament. And then somewhere it ended, and, and I'm not really sure where that ended. I do you, do you know where that ended?
1: Okay, Rob. Thank you. Let me say this: the Bible, Old Testament, does not endorse multiple wives. In the beginning, Jesus said it was one man and one woman. That was Adam and Eve. It was distorted, and even the kings, David, Solomon, two greatest kings, they abused that. In God's grace, he still used them. They were not perfect in any way. There's no sign of the kings ending that. Uh, It became marriage became political as much as anything. It was, and it still happens even today with arranged marriages in some of the countries that are around the world. And uh, you can look at uh, even England at the turn of the century; uh, those marriages arranged with certain people, and so it did not end. But God didn't start it. So God did not endorse multiple marriages nor concubines. Uh, it's one man and one woman for life. That was God's design. And the kings, far as we know, there's no sign of them ending it in the Northern kingdom or
0: Southern kingdom. Right. Hey, Rob, thanks for the call this afternoon. Hope that helped. Diane from Ohio, welcome to Exploring the Word.
3: Yes, thank you. Just love, love, love your show. Um, my question is this: I have a um, neighbors who are both lifelong Catholics, and through a tragic event, a young man took his life. Uh, it was a friend of their grandsons, and through going to the funeral, which um, the whole family are born again Christians, they really, uh, especially my friend um, Sandy, has really uh, been seeking to know the truth. So. She's very open, very excited. Her daughter, son in law, and both of their children were baptized last week. And um, so, anyway, I gave her a Bible and encouraged her to start reading Genesis and John. But I just, I've not ever been involved, you know, this one on one with helping to disciple somebody. I have tons of resources, but I'm just kind of looking for some direction as to how best to come alongside her and her husband.
1: Diane. You thrill my heart to hear you being the one that God has chosen to be involved with him, and God will lead you. You've already made a good decision with John and Genesis. Matter of fact, that came up uh, just a week or two ago, mm-hmm. Jim. What books would you recommend to start out? And I, that's the two I recommend. Let me just tell you, I in place of bringing on extra material, I really do believe, Diane. You could stay in the book of John, and y'all, you guys, read the same passage and come along and see what it says in the book of John. You had have eleven different conversations that Jesus had with individuals. You see that. You see it, especially in chapter three and chapter four. But there's others, and look at those conversation and, and just talk about it. And now you don't use the word, what's that say to you? No, you look at it and see what God was saying and, and talk about it and pray about it. And then there's seven miracles that's in the book of John. And each one of those miracles demonstrates Jesus' power in who he is. And in each one of those, you can do it. Now there's Bibles that help. Uh, the one that we had a few, uh, months ago. right. Uh, the New Living Translation. New Living Translation and, um, and it was great. And, Life application study Bible. And it was great. And I think you could go online and get that. And it would help you with that. A lot of times we want to look at workbooks and notebooks right. when the Bible right. and, and a person alongside of them are the best. Now, Diane, that's just my thoughts
0: on it. Jim, you may know of a book that you would
1: suggest.
0: Um, I've always thought John was a great place to start, for many of the reasons that you listed. Uh, the um, New Living Translation puts it in a little more modern English, if you will, uh, and it's a it's a faithful Bible. It's it's one that hasn't been found wanting of other like other translations have. So I want to be clear about that. It is a, a trusted source, and the Life Application Study Bible. Kind of puts it where the rubber meets the road. Now, of course, I am a guy who enjoys the Amplified Bible, but sometimes we can get lost in the wordiness of that. And so, um, but it is a, a viable translation and also helps with the understanding. So, yes, sir, I think John is a great place to start. And you know, um, one of the things there, Diane, it's great that you're willing to do that. Um, I will say this, I, and I and I phrase this carefully. There are a lot of Catholics who know Christ as Savior, and so just because they're Catholic does not mean they're not born again. That um, that's, that's why there are some Baptists who aren't <laughs> really? born again. Yeah. <laughs> there are some Presbyterians. There are some Charismatics, and. You know, the list could go on. I, I think back to the old Russ Taft song, you know, and it won't be a Baptist sitting on the throne. Yeah, so, I remember that. I have, anyway. Yeah. Diane, Diane, God has placed you
1: there. Let God use your personality, what you have doing. And I want to just tell you, that will speak louder than a lot of other people that you would quote. Stay in there with them. Pray with them. Read the scriptures with
0: them. And and God will bless that. Thank you, Diane. All right, Bruce from Oklahoma. Good afternoon, sir, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Jim, Burt,
7: thank you for taking the call. Love you guys' show. Hey, I just wanted to give you guys something to talk about for a minute. I didn't know if you are aware of this, but if you Google the Euphrates River right now today, it will show that the river is drying up. I'll hang up and listen to you Ooh. answering my phone. Thanks, you guys. Have a good day.
1: I I want to just tell you. Uh, I think a lot of things is going to place in the Middle East. Um, I, on prophecy uh, again, I uh, I don't say I know it all, but here's what you do. You keep your eyes on Jerusalem and Middle East. You really do that. I know things take place in Washington D.C. They take place in Moscow, they take place all over but Jerusalem is the place that you watch and observe and you also observe the area around mm-hmm. that which the Euphrates would do and it's been a life this this would be appropriate the Euphrates river has been a life giving river similar to the Nile river in Egypt the Euphrates running through there with all and it and it I had not heard that at all Bruce but it drying up sure would add to the thing let me say it this way: things sure are changing, right? And the time it looks like something's got to give, right? That's that, and I I do believe that. Bruce, thank you, man. Thank you,
0: Bruce. Have a great av- or Pardon me, my, uh, Bruce. Yeah, he, that was Bruce. From, he gone. He said he was yeah. going to hang up. Yeah, he did. Thank you, Bruce. All right, Michael calling from Georgia. Good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word.
7: Hey guys, how y'all doing?
0: Doing well, man. I called yesterday
7: too. I called. All right, Michael, we didn't talk, cut you I, off. I have to talk so brief. Y'all, can y'all hear me? Yeah, yes, go sir. right ahead, man. Okay. Um, when I studied what Jesus, yeah, Matthew 13.
0: Hey, hey Michael, now? I'm not sure if it's where you are or uh, exactly now? what's going on, but you've had two pretty good cutoffs, and so we're going to talk to Lori now. apologize for that. If you would, send us your question to uh, word at AFR.net, word at AFR.net. Lori, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word.
6: Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. I just had a comment. I, um, I didn't realize I should have probably been asking a Bible question, but I wanted to make a comment on Sabina. Um, we've been Voice of the Martyr and contributors, or have donated to them for many, many years, and they send out monthly um magazines or monthly letters and back in the spring they had sent posters and i've had the poster hanging up of uh, Sab- uh Sabina tortured for Christ coming in the fall of 2021 for the last 6 months i guess so when i heard you guys having uh the Gettys on today i was excited uh, to hear about the the music the soundtrack my husband and i just happened to look that up last night just to see when it was coming you know what part of the fall it was going to mm-hmm. be coming out in and November the 8th is the date, and it is in our area going to be showing. It's a one it's the, through Phantom. It's just a one-time event, I think. I don't know if it if it does well. Maybe it'll show it more. But anyway, I was just excited uh, that this is finally amen. coming. Amen, uh, amen Lori. But I think it's just like like one of you said, it's for such a time as this. It's
1: Thank you, and your call right. was well received. It's a great way to go out. It sure is. Because we had Keith Getty on, and it is well with my soul know that the movie sabina of a voice of the martyrs and i agree esther came to the kingdom for such a time as this this film is for for such a time as this as well amen bert thanks for letting me hang out this afternoon i always enjoy it jim even
0: when i can't speak straight me either evidently hey folks y'all have a great afternoon washington watch comes your way next on afr